I don't I I still have Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen could give a shit about how he ends up looking at the end of the fight. I think Lamar, I think he's too quick to get hit too much. What is going on everybody? Welcome back to the It's Game Time podcast. This is episode number 65. My name is Jet. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Eric. Eric, how you doing today? I'm good. It's episode 65, which is the Clifton Fire Lee, or otherwise known as Cliff Lee. He did wear, there were a very limited number of 65s out there for the MLB. And I think even in the NFL, it was even, even harder to come by. But Cliff Lee did wear 65 for one season in his debut season in 2002. Uh, what he is commonly known for wearing is 33 or, Jet, you said uh, 34 too? 34 and 33, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so um, Cliff Lee was um, drafted in 2000 by the Montreal Expos around four overall pick of 105 he pitched in a total of 328 games his win-loss record is 143 to 91 losses his career era is 3.52 he has pitched roughly over 2100 innings has a little bit over 1800 strikeouts and has a career whip of 1.2 Jet, you have anything else to add to Mr. Cliff Lee? Yeah, so you mentioned he was drafted by the Montreal Expos, and he actually never even played a game for the Montreal Expos because he was traded by them before he was able to make their debut. And in that trade, so he was traded by the Expos with Brandon Phillips, Grady Sizemore, and Lee Stevens to the Indians for Bartolo Colon and Tim Drew. Um Interesting trade there. Obviously, the Expos lost out on a guy that had a very productive career. Um, as far as you know, some some additional stuff is his personal life, which I you know love getting into. Love, <laughs> love, love pulling up my personal life dictionary that I have in my bookmarks and just going through that and finding some good information. So, um, Cliff Lee got married two thousand. <laughs> it was wonderful wife Kristen, and they have a son and daughter together. Um, you may not know this, but Cliff Lee is known for having a very introverted personality. Um, he actually, this is a quote in an article published um, way back when he would rather cut off his pitching arm than call attention to himself. Golly. So, um, <laughs> a little bit of um, <laughs> a little bit of interesting stuff there. It's also noted that uh, uncomfortable speaking in front of large groups. He did make you know very few public appearances and miss many public events regarding the Phillies and whatnot, but still a great guy, great baseball player. Um, not everyone is, is flashy. Not everyone is an extrovert and Cliff Lee. Um, I think he's well represented 
in this episode. Now let me let me talk about one year in particular that after looking at his awards was an amazing year for him. And that was in 2008 with the Cleveland Indians. Let me list off all the awards that he got in that year. He was an AL All-Star in 2008. He was AL Comeback Player of the Year in 2008. He was the MLB Player's Choice AL Comeback Player of the Year in 2008. 2008 he was the MLB players choice AL sorry the MLB players choice for the AL of the of outstanding pitchers in 2008 and to top it all off in 2008 he won the AL Cy Young award so to uh, go into a little bit more details about his uh his year with the Cleveland Indians yeah. at the time it he was 22 and 3. He had a 2.54 ERA. He started in 31 games. He pitched roughly over 200 innings. Had let me I'm losing it here. What is this? Oh, okay. You interesting stat here. The number of pitches he threw yet. Yeah. Was 3,289 pitches wow. thrown. He had 170 strikeouts. He had a 1.11 whip, and opponents only averaged a 253 average against him during that year. And he also only gave up 12 earned runs. Yeah, and you mentioned that he was the comeback player of the year that year. I mean, looking at the year before, he had an ERA of 629. It, it Honestly, probably looks like he suffered some sort of injury. I don't have the the exact information in front of me, but he only pitched 97 innings that year, 69 ERA, hell of a bounce back season uh, the following year. But obviously, you know, he had success in Cleveland, and then he was he ended up getting traded by Cleveland to the Phillies, where a lot of people I think know him more. So, um, in that trade, he was traded by the Indians with Ben Francisco to the Phillies for Jason Knapp, Carlos Carrasco, wow. Jason Donald. And Lou Marson. So obviously the most notable name in that is is Carlos Carrasco. And you know, I could I could say both sides made out pretty well in the yeah, end. Yeah, I mean he started. ended up getting a World Series. Uh no, 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 I'm sorry. He he ended he ended up in the World Series right. pitching against the Yankees, but uh the year prior the uh Phillies ended up winning in two thousand eight. But I mean that is our 2008 was arguably his best career year. I mean, the only one to contend with that would be his 2011 year with the Phillies, where he had a 2.4 ERA and started in 32 games. I mean, he was in his like stretch from pretty much 2010 to 2013. He was making he averaged around 30 starts a season, which is what you love to see. He was a really quality starter. Uh, I'm just, yeah, I don't know, man. His like 2011 season, he had only a 1.03 whip for that season, and opponents were only averaging a 2.29 average and had 238 strikeouts. So I mean, it, I mean, his third in Cy Young voting, so he was he was up there. Who won in 2011 then? Uh, 2011, it was Justin Verlander. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> so that was yeah. that is our player for this episode. Uh, there's not a lot of sporting news going on right now. I mean, dead period. Dead period because 
really for the NFL, it's only hoping and praying time that players don't get injured uh, during preseason games. Had a little bit of a scare with uh, Thibodeau yeah. in the preseason game because um, Thaddeus Moss wants to uh, go for the knees, apparently. It's a, but it's a legal hit, though. It's a legal it, hit, but it's a cheap hit. It's it such is. a no, cheap I, hit. I don't disagree with that. For a preseason game, I why know, are you going I for know. the legs? Yeah. But it's, luckily, it's not a, a season-ending injury. What is it, like two to four weeks or something like yeah. that? Yeah, he um, may be he may be able to come back for the season opener. Still up in the air. My, I think it was... I think it's... Seven out of the eleven first, uh, seven out of the eleven draft picks the Giants have are on like the injury list. Wow! Or like that, just pup list. This actually poses a good, good little question to ask because I've been thinking about this, and obviously a lot of teams go back and forth on it. What are your thoughts on playing guys like starters that are going to be starters in preseason games? I think of it like this: there's. I think it's necessary for the teams that are looking to rebuild like my Giants or teams that have a whole new system in place right. like my Giants, um, the Jack Jacksonville Jaguars that are rebuilding right now. I mean, what's a what's another team? Um, um, I mean, the Falcons, the Falcons, the, the Seahawks who are trying to figure out a quarterback like those situations. Yes. I need to see. I mean, just for my talking, for me to make sense and, and to to clear it up, uh, for the Giants, they have a new GM, a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, a whole new system in place. So I think it's for those types of teams that are in rebu- rebuilding or have a new system in place, it is important to get – your starters reps before the actual season starts in order to have a smoother transition and a smoother changing of the guard per se when the season starts comparative to the Rams who has like have shown they don't start their starters during the preseason and they don't need to because the system in place has been working effectively and they just won a Super Bowl and pretty much there's no new people no new players that have been added. No new staff members that have been really changed since the prior year. Um, same could be said for the Bucks, the 49ers, Green Bay. Um, like, would you, for you, it's not that the Dolphins are rebuilding, but you guys have a whole new system in yeah. place. So would you want to have your starters get used to the system? Yeah, it's, it's important. I mean, it, it's, just a, it's just tough because... You know, you don't want guys getting hurt, and we see year after year guys going down in preseason games. But when you think about it, guys can go down at any game in any practice. So, like, it, at, at some point, you just really can't avoid it. And it's important, like, especially – and this is something that I'm a little bit skeptical of, what the Dolphins have been doing. They have not had Tua and Tyreek Hill on the field in a preseason game yet. And I think, yeah, they've been developing that chemistry and training camp practices and – um, probably on the side as well, but I mean, it's important in a game situation to develop that chemistry, try the new system out, which, you know, two has been doing um, with the other wide receivers in these preseason games. And it's important. I do agree though, for the teams that are bringing back the same system have pretty much the same players. I think when you look at it overall, you kind of just want to see the rookies and there you yes. want to see the newer systems. You want to see um, 
there's some instances where you want to see guys gain chemistry with their quarterback, learn the playbook. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of cases out there where players just should not be out there and they are, maybe they, maybe they want to be out there and drive longer. And then that drive, they end up getting hurt. And then it all proves that it wasn't even worth it to begin with. So there's a fine line between, you know, obviously it's a unique situation from team to team. And, you know, I, I like the Rams approach to it. And obviously if they ever go into a full scale rebuild and have a new quarterback and whatnot, I'm sure their approach is going to change. Exactly. Uh, this last preseason game, the second, uh, this past Sunday for the giants, Daniel Jones did the first quarter. Tyrod did the second quarter with like second, the second team guys, a mix of first team just to fill out spots. But Daniel Jones was with pretty much everyone that's supposed to be on the first, uh, first, first team except for Saquon. Saquon didn't play. Uh, Tyrod was with second team, and then for the remain for the second half, it was just Davis Mill. I mean Davis Webb. Sorry, right. uh, Davis Webb, and he was with third third string guys trying to compete for a roster spot and that's I do like that I think I think that makes a lot of sense I I I don't see the like I I don't want in this last preseason game Daniel Jones to be playing a whole half right that's just asking or a lot of first team players the only, the only unfortunate part about a lot of these guys that are trying to make the roster when they're in the game, I mean, they're in the worst possible situation to succeed. Because, for example, if you have a fifth, sixth, or seventh string wide receiver that's trying to make the roster and you have the third string quarterback throwing to you, um, you may not be put in the best position to succeed. And, you know, given you're also playing against guys on the other side of the ball that are also fighting for roster spots, so maybe in the end it equal equals out. But um, that's just something that you know I wanted to throw out there. Do you think that there should be preseason should just go down to two and then add an extra bye week now that the games are up to 17? I think it should be two games and, and add that extra bye week. Two is enough. Honestly, you can make an argument one's enough, but I think if you're going to, if you're going to start it, you originally had four games, you cut down one. I mean, I don't see any problem cutting that down to two, especially with all the practice time you have, you have the, the great thing about it, a lot of teams practice against other teams in these inner, inner squad type practices, like, Dolphins are doing it this week to prepare for their upcoming game against the Eagles. And I think that's great. I think, yeah, it's not a live game situation, but it's a pretty indication and good indication of what a real game might be like. All right. Awesome. Um, We'll move on to some MLB talk, just a little bit of, we haven't, we haven't talked about it, talked about it recently at all. And now we have to, um, we have to give an update. Yes. Just bringing up the standings right now. We have to give an update to what's happening. The Yankees, um, they were faltering, but maybe they just stopped the faltering, stopped the bleeding. They are up up eight games against Tampa Bay, who is in second place. Toronto's in third place behind by eight and a half games. Baltimore is 11 games back in the division. And then the Boston Red Sox are 15 and a half games back in the AL Central. The Cleveland Guardians are leading the division and very well could win the division. The Minnesota Twins are three games back. The Chicago White Sox are a game above 500 and are four games back. Then it is the Royals 17 games back. And then the Detroit Tigers 19 and a half game back. And then in the AL West, Houston is obviously winning the division at the moment and is going to win the division. Seattle Manners have 
gotten back to what they were supposed to be at the beginning of the season, but still being 11 and a half back. The Texas Rangers behind them with behind them and behind the division leader in by 22 and a half games. The Angels are in fourth place and back 26 and a half games. And then the Oakland Athletics are 34 and a half. I mean, 34 games back for the AL wild card. The Rays are up half a game comparative to everybody else. It is then Toronto and Seattle holding the remaining two. The Orioles are only two and a half back from a wild card spot. The Twins are four games back. The White Sox are five games back. And the Red Sox are seven games back. Pretty much the Red Sox are now out of contention, as I would say. So the White Sox are right on that cusp. If they fall to seven games, too, I'm going to call them out. And I think if the Twins want to get into the playoffs, they have to win their division. So that was a little update for the AL. Jet, do you want to give a little update for the NL? Yeah, absolutely. Um National League, the Mets' lead in the NL East is, is shrinking a little bit. Um, they had a lot of success against the Braves a couple series back, but they just got swept by the Yankees. Now they have a two-game lead over the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves 8-2 and two in their last 10, uh, playing the Pirates right now, which obviously helps, but then the rest of that division. Phillies 10 games back of the Mets. The Marlins 24 games back of the Mets. And then the Nationals 37 and a half games behind the Mets. Really the only relevant teams, unfortunately, in this division are the Mets, Braves, and Phillies, obviously. Mets and Braves are both going to make the playoffs. Phillies have a really inside edge uh, into the playoffs as well. I'll get to the wild card um, standings in a little bit. NL Central, this top of this division has really got flipped on it, flipped upside down ever yes. since, obviously, that Josh Hader trade kind of set this off a little bit. Not that maybe would have mattered <laughs> at all, but uh, Cardinals 9-1 in their last 10 Five and a half. They the Brewers trail the Cardinals now by five and a five and a half games. They were once the division leaders. The rest of the division, Cubs are eighteen games back. Reds are twenty two games back, and the Pirates are twenty four games back. And then the NL West, Dodgers just running away not only with this division but the the National League as well. Eighty five and thirty seven. Uh, the Padres, who are you know a decent team, they're 18 and a half games back behind them with a record of 16 57. You look at the Dodgers differential, plus 269. The next highest in this division is plus 48 with jeez. the Padres. What? I was just like, geez. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> and then the Giants, 24 games back. The Diamondbacks, 29 games back. And then the Colorado Rockies, 32 games back. As we look into the wild card uh, race, the Braves have a you know, commanding lead over that top spot. They they were above the Phillies by uh, nine games, and then the Phillies are in second right now, right above the Padres by a game. And then the Brewers are still in it, right behind the Padres, one and a half games back. I don't you could say the Giants maybe are still in five and a half games back, but I, I would tend to rule them out. And then there's really no one else that's in contention. Um, Looking at both wild card races right now, do you see any of the teams that are currently looking on the outside looking in getting into the wild card series? Um, f- not really. I'll be honest. Um, it's the closest I want the Orioles to get in, but I can't see. I I can't. I mean, it's only only three games separate 
the number one wild wild card seed in the AL and with the uh, Tampa Bay Rays and the Baltimore Orioles. But I can't. It would be really wild if one of these teams fell off. I don't see. I, that's the thing. I just see them keeping up with what they've been doing, keeping that distance probably around the same three to two and a half game difference. I don't see that one of them just running away with it like the Atlanta Braves are doing right now in the NL. So I sadly think it's going to stay how it is. Um, see, so yeah, in like the, the order of the wild card, I don't really see changing or caring for a change. I see the Rays, the Blue Jays, and the Mariners all on the same level, really, which is good to see in the wild card. I mean, there's not really one team that's sticking out. Like in the NL, the Braves are a different beast compared to the Phillies and San Diego and possibly Milwaukee. Um, for the NL, for me, I think obviously the Braves or the Mets, whoever's going to get that wild card, whoever wins that division and gets the second place is going to get the wild card. Uh, Phillies, I think, can't, will make the playoffs. I think that's going to stay there. I think they will get the two, the number two wild card. The, the the Padres and the Brewers, these are two teams that feel like dumb in the down in the dumps, really. Like, yeah. honestly, for two yeah. different reasons. Right. The Padres, because of the whole Fernando Tatis uh, PED suspension, and the Brewers just because it's been lackluster the entire season. They were they traded their closer, who may be actually looking like it's a good trade because the Padres aren't really pr- pretty much took him out of that role now. Right. Um, but they didn't get an offensive bat like they needed at all. So I can't really like it's so uh it really like I feel more strongly like I feel more strongly with the AL of like those three teams really deserve to be in the playoffs, but for the third wild card team in the NL, it's just like I don't really care if San Diego or Milwaukee makes it because I think they're just gonna lose to either the Braves or the Mets. Yeah, I'm sorry, not the Braves or the Mets, the the um the Cardinals. Yeah, I'm the way that I'm looking at like strength of schedule the rest of the way and i'm first talking about the american league uh both the orioles and the rays do not have easy schedules the rays have the second hardest remaining schedule i mean i'm just looking at their month of september they have to play the yankees in two series the uh no the red sox or, or whatever they have to play the blue jays um five games in one series and then another four game series they have two series against the astros they still have to play the guardians as well i mean that's a brutal month of september schedule um but i mean it's not like the orioles schedule who is really the only team that's close enough that could potentially catch them um when you look at the orioles schedule i mean they're starting they're in the middle of a series against the white Sox. then they have the astros then they have the guardians uh, months of, month of September, they have the Blue Jays twice, the Astros, the Red Sox, the Yankees. Oh, okay. Um, they're they're both difficult schedules, and and then yeah, like the White Sox have the fourth easiest schedule, but they've had the easiest remaining schedule for months now, and they haven't done anything with it. So like yeah, you can look at the schedule and maybe make a case because the Twins also have a relatively decent schedule but i don't think any of those teams i I think the american league wild card is going to stay the same the orioles have been a great story uh but it's 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 a great story moving forward it's like it's like the mariners of last year 
Absolutely. Yeah. And then on the National League side of things, when I'm looking at the Brewers and Padres uh, schedule the rest of the way, the Brewers actually have a much easier schedule. They have the seventh easiest schedule the rest of the way. The Padres have the 10th hardest schedule the rest of the way. But I mean, I'll read off who they're playing. Like in the month of September for the Brewers, they got the Diamondbacks, they got the Rockies, they got the Reds, they got my Marlins Um, in October. They have another series against the Diamondbacks. So it's, it's a decent schedule. And then you look at the Padres and, and a big concern I think right now is Juan Soto has been missing some games due to some back tightness. And if he goes down for an extended period of time, I mean, maybe the Brewers can catch them. I mean, they have that pitching. The pitching is getting a little bit healthier. Um, The Padres month of September, they have to face the Dodgers twice. They have to face the Cardinals. They they face the Dodgers three times Jeez. in different series in the month, month of September, along with the Mariners, and then to close out the season with the White Sox and Giants. It's difficult. I, I with a, If it's in a one-and-a-half game difference, I mean, the Brewers can easily make that up. And if the Padres, ever since the trade deadline, things were supposed to be going up, and honestly, they've been going down. They got swept uh, by the Dodgers right after <laughs> the trade deadline, I believe. And now they're having closer issues. They're having their star players obviously test positive for PD. Star player Monso to get hurt. I don't want to say that the Brewers are going to make the wild card, but you can make a very strong case because the Padres are still what, a better team. What do you? What's the? Um, can you tell me what it, the uh, strength schedule and what the schedule looks like for the Phillies? So the Phillies, they are they're right there with the Brewers. The Phillies have the okay. eighth easiest schedule. Okay. Uh, the rest of the way, as far as who they play, um, I can bring that up right now. So for their month of, so the rest of August, I mean, they have a. They have some nice opponents. They get the Reds. They're finishing up a series with the Reds. They play the Pirates, and then they play the Diamondbacks to finish out the month of August. And Jeez. then September looks – it's a its a—it's a very favorable schedule. They play the Giants, Marlins, Nationals, Marlins again, Braves, Braves, Blue Jays, Braves, which is going to be a tough stretch. That would be finish, tough. That, that's going to be – I think that's that will be the deciding stretch. That's a prove it. Look like – they look like they're in a comfortable spot, but then again, they also finish out the season with a series against the Cubs, five a five game series against the Nationals, and then a three game series against the Astros. Okay, so I mean Philly could, I mean it could actually, I mean there is only two and a half games separating them from Milwaukee, so it's not that much. If now let's say let's exclude Atlanta. All right. Or yeah, right now let's exclude Atlanta or possibly the Mets. However you think it's going to, the, the NL East is going to finish up excluding those two possible teams. Um, which team it would be the scariest team for a, like either the Dodgers or the Astros. Um, as far as in either league. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard not to look at like what the Cardinals have been doing as of late, and, and think that they could potentially be a be a bit be a. Threat. Oh wait, wait, wait! Um, just wild card teams. Just wild, just wild, just card, wild teams. card teams. Um, Biggest threat. Um, I, I have to say the Blue Jays. Still, I mean, they they were a lot of a lot of people's pick to be in the World Series, and I mean, looking at their team on paper. They still have um, a ton of great pieces, and and the, the biggest thing for them is is their rotation, which 
hasn't been great, honestly. They like Jose Barrios, who they brought in, and he's never he's never been a an amazing pitcher. But he's he's been good enough, but he has a five through nine ERA this year. Um, obviously Alec Manoa and Kevin Gosman at the top of that rotation have been very good, but they when you look at their lineup, I mean they have guys that were underperforming to start the year and they've kind of gotten it going as the season has went on, especially someone like Matt Chapman who 24 home runs and 62 RBIs all of a sudden hitting 236. Um, when you look at their lineup, when you look at their rotation and they made improvements at the deadline uh, in regards to their bullpen. So yeah, the Rays are always going to be a tough out, but the Blue Jays have so much firepower that I think they could give any team a, a run for their money. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and they have Alex Manoa and Kevin Gosman. So, like, in the wild card where yeah. they would potentially face Tampa Bay Rays, um, they could easily take it. I mean, they could just easily win the first two games, not even have to go to a game three Absolutely. potentially. Yeah. Um, so, And I think they have a better offense than Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, Tampa Bay also just got crippling news that Wander Franco, Wander Franco, sorry, um, may like may not may be done for the rest of the season. Like he right. got took taken out of a rehab assignment for a hand, like something with his hand going on. And I mean, talking about like rehab assignments, Phillies with Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper hits yeah. two home runs in his rehab assignment, so they're about they survived. They pretty much survived and like got along without him and stuff like that. So getting him back will be a huge plus. So I actually think Philly could be a massive threat. I mean, because they have Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. That is a really good one-two right there. Like that. That is a very competitive one-two. And their offense with Bryce Harper back for the playoffs could be very threatening for uh, as a wild card team excluding the Braves and Mets because I mean obviously those got they're right now in a in in contention for a division race so you can't really include them um question here in the NL would you say the Brewers or San Francisco the biggest disappointment um I, I think it's more san francisco i think yeah we didn't expect them to have the year they had a year ago but i don't think many people expected them to just be at 500 and really not even in with within striking distance i think where the brewers are at right now um i i can't ex- I, I can't say that i expected them to be like where the dodgers or mets are i, I expected them to be I honestly, I expect them to be leading with the division, but I, I don't think you can say that it's much of a disappointment. And let's be honest, they didn't they didn't have much offense coming into the season. They really didn't do much to address it, and they just they kind of got screwed over by pitching injuries. and And this really can't really say that's just a disappointment. That's just bad luck. As for the Giants, um, yeah, we kind of expected them to regress, but I mean, they still have a very a decent pitching rotation, and they added Carlos Rodon to that. And I mean, obviously, that didn't do much much to them. And their offense, first year without Buster Posey, maybe maybe that was a reason why that because having that guy in the middle of your lineup, especially someone that can handle your pitching staff, you have Joey Bart, who's a rookie, um, being being tasked with dealing with all those responsibilities. So I think the Giants are a more disappointing team for me. In the AL, for me, the it's between the White Sox and the Red Sox. Yeah. 
It is without. I mean, I think for me, the bigger disappointment is the White Sox. Mm-hmm. It is like they are. If you look at like I believe like a per game, like every like twelve games, they are playing pretty much five hundred ball the entire season. Everyone has been waiting for them to get it going and stuff like that, and I think it's too little, too late. Yep. ESPN only has them at a thirty-one percent chance of making the playoffs. I don't. They have to get. They have to get above. Not just their own division. They got to get pretty much above ev- almost every team in the AL East to get to yeah. a wild card team, excluding the the Red Sox. And so they are def. I think they're my my biggest disappointment. But the Red Sox, we were just joking about this yeah. and found out about this um, right before we recorded. When we record this, which will be on a Wednesday, this is the Red Sox lineup. And it's without Tommy Pham and Xander Bogarts. It is Ref Snyder in right field, Verdugo in left field, Martinez at DH, Devers at third base, Hernandez at second base, Bobby Dahlback at shortstop. Cordero at first, McGuire at, at catching, and Duran in center field. And for the record, Bobby Dahlbeck is now officially the tallest player to start shortstop in Red Sox history. What what have we come to with this Red Sox team? That it's is just horrendous. So bad. Now, he does have two uh, like appearances at shortstop, Jet, correct? Yes, he does. But Back that, in I mean, I don't know if Xander Bogarts is dealing with any type of injury. He may not. He may I read just, that he is. So maybe it, it's, it could just be a day off, but he's been playing through it all year, what I've read. But they have, you could have had like Kike Hernandez playing shortstop better than Bobby, I feel yeah, like. Uh, like Bobby Dahlbeck is a bad first baseman, then went to like third base. Now you're moving him to arguably one one of the most difficult defen- defensive positions next to probably catcher or center field yeah. at shortstop. Well, I'll read this to you. Like usually if you're gonna move guy that is around the diamond to play him in multiple positions, usually he's a solid defender. But I'm looking at this metric right now, defensive war in three seasons, Bobby Dahlbach has a negative two point six oh, defensive war. I mean, what are the, like, are the, I don't. He's, he's like, instead of giving, instead of um, adding two wins to his team, Forsey is he's adding two losses to his team. That's basically what it's saying. I, like, oh my gosh. Like that. I mean, that is horrendous. Like an easy, if you really can't play, De- if you can't play Devers and if you, I don't know if they have Jeter Downs up in the major leagues. Can you see if he's on the active roster? Yeah. But even if he's not, an easy alignment is move Kike to short. I bet Devers could play a better second base than than Bobby could play a, a shortstop. And then you can just put Bobby at third. At third, I get maybe because Rafi is a franchise cornerstone piece, so you don't really want to mess with him. You'd rather just keep him at that position and stuff like that. But you know if Jeter Downs is on the active roster? He hasn't played since July 29th, so. Okay. Is he? But is he injured or on the active? Um, it looks like he's active. I don't think he's injured. I think he's just in the minors. That's absurd. 
I mean, that is absurd unless he's injured. That is absolutely absurd. That... It says he's active, so it looks like he's not injured. He's just oh my... it says his next game's today against the against the Syracuse affiliate. So Oh my god. Like they could have easily just called him up. Yeah. And just just that that just shows you they don't even have a true like backup shortstop. And also Rafael Devers, he played shortstop once in 2019, so yes. I would put Rafi there before Bobby, I'll tell you yeah, that. Oh, oh, yeah. Definitely. And Ra- then you look at um, – yeah, I'm looking at Rafael Devers' defensive wars is not great either, negative 2.1, but let's be honest, like he – just from a size perspective, um, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit better there. But a little bit better, I would feel. A little, a little more I agile. Know, I, don't about, I don't know about the weight, but, <laughs> little, little, but I actually had a, I had a question. It it kind of applies to both teams, the White Sox and the Red Sox, maybe more so the White Sox. Um, do either of either of these teams, both of these teams, or none of these teams fire their manager at the end of the year? Red Sox or not, Alex Cora is a good manager. Um. The Red Sox have been riddled with injuries along with the White Sox, but the White Sox, there's no point in keeping Tony La Russa. There's been so much controversy right there. He seems very uninspiring, and you can see it through the way they play. They're a very uninspiring watch. The Red Sox, Alex Cora is a good manager. He can get his players fired up. It's just the Red Sox in general, when they're off, they are horrendous. But when they're on, they're like top of the league contenders Mm -hmm. um so for that reason like last year i mean we saw this 2020 they were horrendous 2021 a surprise year they won the division no they didn't win the division they were the number one wild card um but they they went far in the playoffs and then this year's another down year it's very hyperbolic but are you gonna get a bet like if you fire Alex Cora, he's going to get another job. Oh, yeah. And and who's to say the next manager is going to do at, inspire their player his players as much as Alex Cora does? Tony LaRusso needs to be fired. There's no reason to keep him. Uh, he seems like a 500 type of manager, and but the, ro- the talent on the White Sox roster is not 500 ball talent. Oh, no, not at all. So that, I think... I think Boston should keep Alex Cora. I think they will keep Alex Cora. The White Sox should fire out uh, Tony La Russa, and I think they will fire to- Tony La Russa. What about those two National League teams who fired? Gabe Kapler of the Giants and Craig Council of the Brewers. Gabe Kapler of the Giants, I think that would be a good replacement. I mean, he, um, I think he could f- over Tony La Russa for sure. I mean, you might as well. If you want to take an established guy that has – Shown he can manage a team to over 100 wins. Um, or you could just get a, a, a young buck, a new guy in there to relate to the players more so. So, I mean, possibly. But, I mean, you could also... Uh, you could include Girardi as well. Right, <laughs> if you true. Want. Oh, imagine <laughs> Joe Girardi being the Red Sox next manager. Oh. <laughs> I think Joe Girardi's time as a manager has, has come to an end. Yeah, probably, I would assume. Last question here for MLB Talk. Are the Braves chasing down the Mets? I don't uh, think they'll get them. I know it's only 
two game difference. Um, but you know what I like to do when we, we talk about the it, it's it's it really comes down it's going to come down to schedule and I, I think obviously the schedule only means so much because any given team in baseball it's a three game four game series doesn't always go go down as a sweep if you're the better team but the Mets have the easiest schedule in all of baseball the rest of the way and then the Braves the Braves don't have a hard schedule the Braves have the tenth easiest schedule. Uh, the rest of the way, I'll just tell you the Mets play the rest of the way. Um, so they finish out August with a series against the Rockies, and then a, it's going to be a tough one against the Dodgers, and then they play the Nationals, Pirates, Marlins, Cubs, Pirates, Brewers, Athletics, Marlins, one more three-game series against the Braves, and then the final series against the Nationals. I mean, that last series right there is going to be big. It will be. If but the, I think the Braves... If the Braves can keep it within like two to three, that last series can carry a lot of weight. Yeah, but if but if they can't, like some of those teams that the Mets get to play, they play the Pirates twice, they play my Marlins twice, they play the Nationals twice. The two the the big series in those are are obviously the Braves, Dodgers, and and Brewers too. But like those the rest of those games, um, I mean they're definitely pretty winnable. I'll read who the Braves have to play. Uh, the rest of the way. So they finished the month of August with a series against the Cardinals, which uh, starts on Friday. That's going to be the, good. That, that'll be, that'll be a good one. They play the Rockies, Marlins, athletics, Mariners and giants in, in, in Seattle and San Francisco Phillies twice nationals twice. And obviously that series with the Mets and then the Braves end with the Marlins. All right. So they have really two good series left. I would have to say, yeah, like, that car that Cardinal series will be very good because both teams are hot right now. Right. Oh my yep. god, we forgot to talk. Albert Pools, is he hitting seven hundred? I think he's gonna get there. I think You think he's hitting seven I, more. I, I, th- I think he's gonna get there. I mean, well, we have a little over a month left in the season and yeah. the, the the pace he's been on right now, what is is he's what, seven away? Yeah, so. yeah. He's insane against lefties. Yeah. Like, I think they're going to let him play a little bit more down the stretch just to give him as many opportunities as he can to get to that mark. Um, I mean, like I said, if he continues on the pace he's at, he should be there. He should definitely, he should definitely get that. I, I can't imagine. I know he's, I know he's at his last legs, but he know he knows he's not coming back. And even if he's you at think? 699 when he, when you think season, he's not coming back. You really think like, you he's think done. it's absolutely done. Even if he's at like 697 or six, like that range, he's not. He's done. Do you think he's eyeing Alex Rodriguez's record more so than 700? Because Alex has 696. He's definitely looking at it, but I think it's more about the 700. You think? Um, the 700 the, club? Yeah. It's, you know about those round numbers. So. Yeah. And on an even... If he gets hit at 700, you better expect him to just start like hacking at... Hitting it on the ground so he can stay at exactly 700. I just, I just, I know, I know there's so many possibilities that it doesn't get to that number, but with the way he's been playing, it's, it's, it's really hard for me to suggest that he won't. Oh, wow. And do you think Judge is going to hit, beat the AL record? What's the AL record? 61. He has 48. 13 more. Yeah. I, I think so. You think I, he, he, he went, what, he went a good week or so without a home run. But he hit like a that, home run but, in the last two against the Mets. Yeah. Like he's, Home runs come in bunches, so if he gets a couple, couple more, handful more down, down the next couple of games, um, 
he has the whole month of September really to get what a handful more. So I, I think I think yes, it's, it's a lot, but he he's just been having a hell of a season. So why not cap it off with, with the record? So all right, now we'll move into fantasy. Jet does not know what we are doing for this. We will be ranking fantasy QBs. All right, in a certain scenario, not just because, not just based off of uh, how how do we think of them and stuff like that. It will be a normal. It will not. Sorry, it will not be a normal. I'm just making a cheat sheet right now, just to uh, just to um, just to go off of uh, right and, and the scenario jet. This may be a new thing that we do. All right, for maybe QBs. QBs are pretty easy to do. All right. Yep. We are, will be ranking the fantasy these fan these top ten what are projected to be the top ten fantasy football players in order of how much we would want them on our side in a bar fight. Really? Okay. Okay. All right. Like for it. me, I'm more of a peacekeeper. All right. I'm not looking for trouble. Jet, he wants all the smoke. <laughs> He's looking for it. He's looking for some fists. All right. Um, Ooh, and which, fun. so now we're going to be looking at, out of one from 10, which QBs you think are also looking for, looking for a fight. All right. Which ones are like, you get pissed off and they have your back jet. Okay. So okay. that's what we're going to be doing. All right. Fun all little right. ranking right here. Fantasy stock does not matter at <laughs> all. No fantasy emotions at all. Jet only pure rage when you're at the bar. Okay. All right. Okay. So the number one ranked fantasy QB right now for fantasy pros, which I will be using, is Josh Allen. All right. We'll keep him now. Just we're gonna keep him there at one, and then later we'll maybe move him, maybe not. But Jet, do you gonna, think he's on? All right. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do you think that he is? Is he is he with you? Is he gonna back you up? You think? Or I, I think he would. I, you think I he'd get in a I, tussle? What I've heard about in his college days, um, he was he was a partier. I mean, he I, I think he got into a few incidents, nothing major, but I, I like to think that I could have Josh Allen on my on my side. He's a big guy, obviously a strong guy, so I, I definitely want him on my side. I can already think of a guy that I just don't want on my side. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking at the probably the same list you are, and I could already think. Yeah, exactly. I just I just started a new cheat sheet, so this is like fantasy pros ranking right here. I absolutely think. What what college did he go come from again? North Dakota State? No, I think it was Wyoming. Wyoming, Wyoming. Oh yeah, that guy can. That guy has definitely gone to a few like uh, cowboy bars, country bars, and have definitely thrown a few punches and he's not yeah. afraid to oh yeah he's oh, yeah. not afraid to at all not at all not at all. all right number two in fantasy ranking is justin herbert jet is he above or below josh allen of like if you would want him on your side he's definitely below uh josh allen um i'm just picturing justin herbert just from watching him in his press conferences he's, he's a really nice guy from what from what it comes off as i don't know if i'll necessarily be willing to um, take down anybody that's you know trying to get off my back, but I think I think he would you know be willing to talk it out. I don't think he's gonna be willing to use any fists, um, especially especially if he. I think I think his haircut kind of plays a big yes. big role in this, depending on what he looks like. If he goes with the the full head of hair, um, that's a different story. With the with the flow in it, I think 
I would totally put him above Josh Allen. But if he goes with the the shaved, the buzz cut, definitely not. Oh, yeah. For me, the vibe I get from Justin Herbert is like a frat guy wanting to fight. Yeah. It's not like he's not fully for it. He's all he's like kind of talking it a little bit. If he has his guys behind him, he'll fight. But if he's by himself, if it's just you and him, I think he's trying. I think he's talked, but he's kind of holding you back a little bit and not let, letting you go at it. But if he had like his dudes with him and you, he's 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 like, all right, let's get into it. All right, we have we have good numbers, but he's definitely below Josh Allen. Josh Allen is he is absolutely going at it. So he's still at number two, number three in fantasy ranking. Is Patrick Mahomes, Jet, is Patrick Mahomes above Herbert, above Allen, or right in between, or below both of them? Oh, this is tough. Um, it is tough. Mahomes is a tough read. Very tough read. I'm going to put him above Justin Herbert, but below Josh Allen. Um, it's, it's really hard to base it off of anything here, I think. I, when I look at Patrick Mahomes, I think he would be willing to – you know, back me up with, with his hands. I don't necessarily think he'll engage, but maybe he'll he'll threaten. Um, I just think him compared to Justin Herbert, I think he would give a little bit more as far as physicality. Josh Allen, um, still, still number one on my list, though, ahead of both of them. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Mahomes, I feel like he – he, I mean, he just – he has too much to, to get into get into it. I feel like yeah, that's Compa- true. That's a good point. Compared to yeah. these other two guys, they still have to fully Absolutely. prove it. Mahomes is like, I have a ring. I have a wife and a kid. Like I can't be getting into fights at the that's bar. A good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. That's why I would keep him below Herbert. Okay. But I still think I, I still think like if it, if it was like intense, I, he would get into it, but he's definitely like, Staying the most level-headed out of the three of them, I feel like. Okay. I, I like that. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, number four is Lamar Jackson. I definitely trust him more than Patrick Mahomes and Justin yes. Herbert. I, the question is more than Josh Allen. Um, went to Louisville. Um, seems like a... You know, a family guy doesn't obviously doesn't have a can't really. I don't think he has kids. No, he definitely doesn't have kids. No, no. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have to worry about that. I know, but that it goes back like the Wyoming part of it with Josh Allen, like being being in that region of the country when it's just it's just different over there. And I think that's kind of what separates still Josh Allen and Lamar yeah. Jackson. But I do I would trust Lamar Jackson a little bit more. Um. Especially with his agility. Oh, I know. They, they Dude, have that. Qu- he's quick. He's quick. He's quick. That's, 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 the thing, that's the thing right there. He's so much more quicker than Mahomes and Herbert. And Josh Allen's, he's pretty agile for yes. his size. So I, I think Lamar Jackson fits in nicely I, uh, at number two. I like it. I, I would have uh, Lamar uh, ahead of Herbert and ahead of Mahomes, mainly because he's quick. He's agile. He gives you a quick one-two, and then he's on to the next dude in the crowd right there. All right. Absolutely. So that's why I would act, I, I would love to have it's still Allen, but then it's Lamar. I mean, because I just I love it and stuff. But going to number five is Kyler Murray. Last, last, last without a doubt. I 
the thing is, though, he does have the agility. Which he does. He just doesn't have the size. He can duck and dive, man. <laughs> he can't really, like... He he could maybe throw him off, trip him, maybe use his, use the, uh, his environment around him, but, like, pure hands, I don't see it. And then here's another thing, though. He does have a lot of experience playing video games, and maybe he can use some of what he learned in the <laughs> video game. A lot of... I'm sure he plays a lot of the Call of Duty stuff, a lot of maybe some other... WWE, UFC, some sort of fighting game, and maybe he he would be a good to have on my side, but the size is just a no for me. It's so that's, worrisome. That's what I'm looking at. I'm, I'm putting him below everyone. Below everyone. I'll keep him at five right now, and I'll make my adjustments. Maybe guys are gonna get ahead of him, but that the only thing that Murray has going for him is he could probably duck and dive like no one else. I mean, just the quickness is I would say quicker than Lamar. But Lamar has like more of the build to like deliver a punch afterwards, where yes, where Kyle Murray kind of has to like get a chair and slam it over a guy. But who says there's going to be chairs around us? I can't rely on I can't rely on him to rely on the on on the environment around him. So that's why he's still at five. I think it's close to Mahomes because I I really don't think Mahomes really wants to fight, but I also think Murray like he's ducking and diving all he can. It's like he does not want to fight. Especially, yeah, especially with a bigger guy. Like yeah. Maybe if it's someone his size, but chances are that it's not someone his size. <laughs> yeah. Next up is Jalen Hurts. It's That's like a combination between Lamar and Kyler Murray. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, Jalen Hurts, similar size to Kyler Murray. I think he's a little bit taller. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think he falls between... Yeah, he definitely falls between for me between Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. Um, I just don't know if I could put him like where I have Mahomes and Herbert. I don't know if I could put. I know I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Jalen Hurts above Justin Herbert, but below Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Patrick Mahomes. I trust I trust Patrick Mahomes a little bit more, and it and it goes back to the size thing. Um, but again, Patrick Mahomes isn't like it's more Lamar Jackson. Josh Allen are bigger. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he's not that much bigger than... They're around the same size, right? Yeah, so, about so. I'm going to put him above... I'm going to put him above Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray, but below Mahomes. Okay. I don't know. There's it's not much, like, behind it. Why? It's just, like, my gut and what, I, what I'm feeling just based off of viewing these guys. For me, I'm... Right now... Oh, wait. Hold up. I'm just having to... There we go. For me, right now I have Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Mahomes, Murray right now. I like, and it's I think it's perfect of because it's kind of a combination. He's kind of a combination of Murray and Lamar. So he's right in the middle of the first six right there at the four slot between them. I think he has a, he's quick like Lamar and has a bigger stature right. but the like the attitude and the demeanor is more That's fits true. with kyler murray right but i still think he would get into it more so than patrick mahomes i think patrick mahomes thinks so much about his career his wife his kids his image so that's what i think is like i don't know if i could rely on mahomes man i think it would have to be an extreme fight to where like i'm getting pounded I'm yeah, getting absolutely pummeled by like five I, I guys. 
the reason I say Mahomes, it, it seems like the type of guy that'll be on your side and be willing to do whatever it takes to defend you. I mean, we see all the stuff going on about his about his wife, people talking about it. it seems like he's been done a decent job of defending her. I don't obviously we haven't seen any physical altercations, but I, I just like his chances. I, I I get the point with the money and the the where he's at and the family. Wouldn't be a good look getting into a bar fight, but that's where I have him on my list. All right, number seven here is Joe Burrow for number me. One. Number, one. number one. Number one. Number one. This is not even close to me. I, I'm just thinking about Joe Burrow. Just I'm, I'm envisioning right now uh, him walking out of that tunnel, that LSU game, just with the swag he has. And I know you may you can make the argument, oh, he has all that swag, but probably when the when push comes to shove, he's not going to have anything to back it up. But Joe Burrow just has that demeanor that he not only is just a, a cool guy, but he is willing to since he has all that um that swag and that and honestly the rising fame, I think he would be willing to defend anyone. I don't think he's too cool for anyone. Obviously you look at Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, different different body types, different from different parts as far as colleges, parts of the country, but Joe Burrow, um, he would be calm cool and collected in a fight and he would be more than willing to knock out whoever's on my back i'm going him at number three okay joe burrow at number three joe shiesty at number one all okay. right joe burrow i i do think he's more willing to fight than justin herbert uh jalen hurts mahomes and murray but i feel like he got he has a little bit of like i gotta protect my face a little bit like he's like I gotta. I that more applies to the next guy. You think? You think yeah. more than? Uh, oh yeah, I don't even. Think, <laughs> he may not even be there at the bar. Um, but we'll get to him. I don't. I I still have Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen could give a shit about how he ends up looking at the end of the fight. I think Lamar. I think he's too quick to get hit too much. Um, Mahomes. He's not as agile as the first two guys. I think he's like trying to avoid to get punched in his face because he knows that's like a good part of the money making right there is his face. But I still think he's about that. I think he will have your back no matter what. He's Joe Shiesty when times get tough. Um, so that's why he's above Herbert and stuff. So I would have him at three. I would have him at three. I would have him at one. And I, I just, it's that vibe. It's the vibe I get from him just thinking about him. So. All right. Number eight is Tom Brady. Tom Brady bottom. right now for me. What? He's at the bottom for me. He's he's below Kyler Murray. Oh, yeah. Brady's oh, not yeah. even there. No, no. Brady has three kids, a supermodel wife. The great, like, he is, he's not at the bar for one. He's not. If you were trying to call him, be like, hey, I'm in a fight right now. I need your, I need you as backup. He's like, bro, what'd you do to get into it? Like, I'm not coming. It's right. bedtime. It's twelve o'clock at night. I just finished watching film. I'm going to fucking bed. Get, just call me if you get go to jail. Then I'll come and bust you There's out. There's no way he's gonna put that face in danger. No, like, he's done too much to get it to where he is at the age he's at. There's T no way in hell he's sacrificing that. TB12 did not make him to get into bar fights. <laughs> Not at all. He's below Kyler Murray, without a doubt. And, I mean, it's just, that is what it is. It is. I mean, so that's, 
it's, it's pretty easy. Like it is. And the guy he can't move. So no, he can't. He he. If he was there, he still he wouldn't have much to offer at right. all. Right. He uh, at all. Coming in at number nine is Russell Wilson. Again, this is. I think this is very similar to Jalen Hurts, yes. Colin Murray, a little bit. Yeah. Um. I think the one thing that he has that maybe these guys don't. Obviously, he's he's an older guy. He has the money, he has the fame, he has the the white, the supermodel or actor actress of a wife, uh, singer, whatever she is, celebrity. Um, but that's the thing. Like when you when you look at a lot of these guys, you make you make a good point about Mahomes, and I think this is somewhat of a similar situation. I think a lot of the younger guys are going to be more willing to get into that fight since they're still except you know, for Murray, still, still not yeah, it's still <laughs> it's still not fully developed as far as you know. Um, as a as a person, um, so what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna put uh, Russell Wilson above Kyler Murray and Tom Brady, but below everyone else. You know, I'm, I'm kind of you know rethinking where I have Jalen Hurts just because it kind of fits that same category. He's a young guy, and I, I trust him, but I, I don't trust him as much as. Uh, so I'm gonna put yeah, I'm gonna put Russell Wilson in uh, ahead of Kyler Murray and Tom Brady, currently third to last. For me. Yeah, I, I before like you. You uh, gave your reasoning. I put him immediately at seven and stuff. I think he's he's a little too goofy and stuff like that. He he's definitely trying to reason it out. He out of this list next to Mahomes, I think he's trying to be the most reasonable. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because Tom Brady's not there. If Tom Brady was there, I think he would just step aside and let you go at it by yourself. He's not even trying to reason. He's like, "You're a fucking idiot. What are you doing?" Um. So, yeah, I think Russell Wilson is uh, right now above Tom Brady, above Kyle Murray, but below Mahomes for me. And the last QB is Dak Prescott. This is an interesting one right here, all right? He's kind of young, kind of not. He's a pretty nice stature and stuff like that. But for me, man, when has he shown up? That's true. He's all talk, man, when, like, He's talking shit right before the fight, but when the fight happens and at the end of it, you're like, dude, I didn't even see you there, man. Like, where were you? It's like, ah, there was just this one guy in the corner that I was taking care of. And you're like, dude, there was like four others right there. Like, you couldn't have taken care of them and moved on to the next. He's like, nah, man, I kind of had to, I, I just wanted to make sure we didn't have to deal with them later on in the fight. So where where do you place him on your list? I would put him, I w- dude, I would put him above Kyler Murray, but below Wilson. Okay. This is a tough one. This really is, but he hasn't shown it, of, man. He's all talk. Every regular season, he shows up. I don't know. I feel like it's some of the Giants' bias coming into this <laughs> a little bit. I know. I know where. Ugh. I think for him, definitely, I don't think he belongs in the top four for me. Um, I trust all those guys a lot more. <laughs> the question becomes where in the bottom half of the list can I put him? I, I'm going to leave Jalen Hurts ahead of him. I trust him a little bit more. Um, I'm going to put him below Justin Herbert, but above Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Tom Brady. I think I, 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 there's a small chance that he could have my back, but – Again, like when has he showed up? Um, I, I think he I think he would be a good job of using his words to defend me and trying to back me up. If he gets something physical, I think there's a very good chance he can step up 
but I'm very hesitant about that. I'm not as confident as some of these other names on this list. All right. So my, my top 10 is Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, and then Tom Brady. My list is Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Tom Brady. Now, how would you feel if at the end of the uh, at the end of fantasy football this was the top ten? What do you think would have to go wrong? Mahomes would have to get hurt. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I mean, honestly, like, I mean, obviously your top ten's a little bit different than mine, but. You know, we obviously wouldn't be surprised if Josh Allen finished one again. Um, Joe Burrow, for me, is my number one. If that would be the case, I don't think we'd be surprised. But definitely Mahomes and Herbert placement, um, at least for my list, would be a little bit odd. Everyone else is is fine. But, but just so everyone knows, like, if, if you're watching this and you came onto the podcast late and you got here to the halfway point, everyone could be thinking we're talking about this is where we have guys ranked as far as fantasy goes. But if you want to hey, go off that way, you can. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If you want to use these rankings, go ahead. But yeah. we're not responsible for the for how your record ends up or how your QB performs in fantasy football. Absolutely. Based off of where you draft him. But guys, that was episode 65, the yes. Cliff Lee episode. Clifton. Clifton. Clifton Fire Lee episode. We hope you guys enjoyed and we'll see y'all next week for possibly another fantasy football ranking based off of a certain scenario. Yes, absolutely. Peace out, guys. <laughs>